0: My father's
1: house. You see that there? Three different references to Abraham's old age. The point is, humanly speaking, there was no way that Abraham could have a child at that age. You fill in the blanks. I don't want to embarrass anyone here. So although it was impossible with men... It's not impossible with God because God is sovereign and he does whatever he wants to do in this universe.
0: It's easy to pray for God to do something for your grandma's neighbor or your cousin's father-in-law. After all, that situation's removed from you and you don't have much personal investment in seeing the outcome. But if it's your father-in-law or your child, Well, things get a lot more real, don't they? And as you'll hear in Pastor Mike's teaching today, this is where Abraham and Sarah had been. God had made them a promise of a miracle child, and they'd waited and hoped and trusted. And God kept His promise. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 21 as he begins his message, When God Makes Us Laugh.
1: We're now moving into Genesis chapter 21. And our text is found in verses 1 through 7. And the title is, When God Makes Us Laugh. And I'm referring to those moments when God works in our lives, when He fulfills His promises, that is, those personal promises that He's made to you and to me. And we're just astonished. We're blown away. And we're just filled with the joy of the Lord. And that's what we're going to be talking about, and that's the subject that we're going to be treating. So with that said, let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. So Genesis chapter 21 and verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, man, a hundred years old at the set time of which God had spoken to him. By the way, Sarah's 90 years old, so kudos to both of those guys. And Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Now that's significant. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Then Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old. Interestingly enough, science tells us that the blood of a child coagulates when they are eight days old. So God knew what he was talking about when he instructed them to circumcise him. It's at the highest point of coagulation at eight days of age. I don't know if you knew that or not. Just a little bit of trivia. As God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, what would have said to Abraham, that Sarah would nurse children, for I have born him a son in his old age. Father, we pray that you'd bless our time together now as we study the word, this text of scripture, open it up to us. Lord, I pray that we would leave here filled with the joy of the Lord and laughter in our hearts, and Lord, that we would be reminded of your love for us and your provision and the work that you continue to do within our lives. Oh, Lord, just bless. Father, we'd ask that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be in operation also during this time in the areas of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy. God, speak to us. Lord, we invite the great teacher, who is the Holy Spirit, to be here and just have his way with us now. God, thank you. Settle our hearts. Help us to thoroughly enjoy the remainder of our time together this morning. And again, we thank you. Now, Lord, let my words be your words. We pray that there would be a special anointing upon it, that it would bear fruit in our lives to your glory. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this message, when God makes us laugh. Now, let's back up a little bit. In the last couple of chapters, over the last couple of weeks, in this series here in the book of Genesis, the truth of the matter is there hasn't been much to laugh about. I mean, think about it. Over the last couple of weeks, We're talking the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're talking about Lot's, that is Abraham's nephew Lot, incest with his daughters, Abraham giving his wife up to King Abimelech because of his lies. So not a lot to be laughing about. Now don't get me wrong. I trust over the last couple of weeks there have been great lessons for us to learn and God knows that he served up all of those warnings within those chapters that we've read and discussed and broken down for you. So great lessons to be learned, warnings served up. But listen, if there was ever a time to break out of all of the gloom and enter into laughter here in the Bible, now would be a good time to do that. Wouldn't you agree? Now notice, when Isaac, the son of promise is finally born, Sarah declares in verse 6, God has made me laugh. And thus we get the title of this message. Or, according to what translation you may be reading out of, God has brought me laughter. In fact, the name Isaac in the Hebrew language literally means laughter. And the laughter here is a positive thing. Not like before. Remember when the three visitors had come and met with Abraham at his tent there in that area known as Mamre and once again repeated the promise that his wife Sarah was going to bear him, the son of promise. And remember the Bible tells us that Sarah was inside the tent listening to this discussion between these three visitors, one of which I believe was Jesus himself, who was a theophany an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. But nevertheless, Sarah was also inside the tent and she was listening and she was kind of laughing, but it was a doubtful kind of a laugh. It was a cynical kind of a laugh because she knew how old she was. She knew that she was more than past childbearing years. So that laughter was very cynical. It was doubtful. It was sort of like a snicker rather than a laugh. It would have been like, you know, someone tells you that they're going to do this, that, or the other thing for you, and you think, they don't have the juice to do that. And you usually usually won't articulate it. You know, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, right, he's going to do that for me, or she's going to do that for me. Yeah, right, kind of a thing. And that was Sarah's response to that discussion that was going on between Abraham and those visitors. But now, notice, it's believing. Her joy is spontaneous. It's uncontrolled. And Sarah is thankful. In fact, Sarah can hardly believe her good fortune. She can't control her joy. But hasn't that been our own experience in our walk and our relationship with the Lord? Here's a cross-reference for you from the psalmist in the 126th Psalm in verses 1 and 2. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, that is when God brought back his people to Jerusalem and to their homeland. We were like those who dream. Have you ever been in a situation before where God, out of the blue, does something for you? You weren't expecting it, and you kind of gave up on things working out on your behalf. You're just waiting for the axe to fall kind of a thing, and anticipating the worst. And then God, out of left field, does something miraculous for you, and it's like you're participating in a dream. Have you ever been in that situation before? I mean, if you've been walking with the Lord now for a while, I'm sure that has been some, at least some of yours, experience. Well, he goes on in verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, such was the case with Sarah. And our tongue would singing. Have you ever been in that place where God does something for you out of left field, and all of a sudden you spontaneously begin to praise the Lord with a song, maybe one of the songs that we sing here, or you make up your own words to a song that has never been written. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So that's exactly what's going on now in Sarah's heart. Notice in verses 6 and 7 of our text, she expresses it this way. And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it comes down to this. Who would have thought? At this juncture in my life, 90 years old, who would have thought? That's the way that she expressed her feelings and emotions. Now, has that been your personal experience as well? And as you're sharing that with another person, you catch up with someone and you're sharing your personal testimony, and not only are you blown away, but in your sharing your testimony with another person, they're just listening and they're blown away as well. And they're rejoicing and they're laughing and they're participating in your laughter and your joy because they're probably thinking, You know, if God did it for him, and I know I'm better than him, not that I'm better than Jimmy. No one's better than Jimmy. He just happens to be sitting in the front row. But if he did it for him, he'll do it for me. And you just get all excited. You see, that's exactly what's going on here. So she expresses that by saying, others will laugh with me. They'll be caught up in the moment. And so here, Sarah's holding that child of promise Isaac in her arms now. But listen, you know what? Isaac is not the whole story here. The reason for the joy is not the fulfillment of the promised son, but rather it's in the miracle that was performed by God. It's all about God. And remember, I always try to bring you back to that fact. We're not here for a history lesson. We're more interested in discovering who God is, his character and his nature, That's why we've come to be here. As we do that, we'll draw closer to Him. Everything will fall into place as we realize who God is in His character in His nature. It's all about Him. It's all about His miracle. And so anyway, that joyous reflection and discussion of what He has done. And that's what we have here in verses 1 through 7. And it lasts a lifetime. You know, I think about my own track record. I think about, and I always refer to that, and I use that phrase often. If you've been around for a while, you've you've probably heard me use it. A track record. Uh, For those of us who have been walking with the Lord now for a while, I suspect that all of us have a track record of what God has done in the past. And what God has done in the past, we're reminded of those things that last a lifetime. Isn't that true? When we're sharing with people or someone comes and tells us about some issue or problem difficulty that they're experiencing or they're going through, we can relate to them and say, oh, you know, I went through that one time, and this is what God did for me. We're reminded of what God has done in the past, and it lasts a lifetime. Okay, so let's go back to our text now. What were Abraham and Sarah reflecting upon? And what were exactly they testifying to? And that brings us to our first point, and that is their reflection and testimony. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Their reflection and testimony, and if you're here for the first time, again, welcome, but on the back side of our bulletins, there's a place to take notes, and I want to encourage you to do that. Okay, so their first reflection and testimony was to God's faithfulness. So write that down. God is faithful. So, think about it. When initially given the promise of a son... I don't think Abraham or Sarah fully believed him because they began to take things into their own hands. What did they do? After a season of time had passed, and they thought to themselves, you know, maybe we were a little confused about what God had said, and, uh, you know, maybe we were supposed to play a part in the fulfillment of this promise. And Sarah came up with this idea. Well, listen, my handmaiden, Hagar, Abraham. And it wouldn't, I mean, could you imagine your wife encouraging you to do something like this, though? Why don't you go into my handmaiden, Hagar, impregnate her, and she'll be able to bear you a child. And that's exactly what he did. And she bore him a child whose name was Ishmael, which, man you know, Israel got in all kinds of trouble, uh, difficulties, and problems. Because remember, Ishmael was the father of the Arab nations. And even up until the present time, the Arab nations are at war with Israel, right? But that's exactly what happens when you monkey around with God's plans and you take things into your own hands. But that was a part of one of our past messages, wasn't it? But anyway, so I don't think that they fully believed and trusted in God's word. But now there's no doubting his faithfulness. So here's the question that I want to ask you. What has God promised you, particularly promised you? I'm not talking about those general promises that are recorded in the Bible from page to page, from the beginning of the book of Genesis to the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I'm talking about what has God specifically promised you. You can be sure that God is faithful, that God is more than capable of fulfilling those promises, and you can be sure that the day will come when you will laugh too. God will put that joy in your heart. You can be absolutely sure. So just hang in there. God is faithful. God is going to perform that which he told you he would do, God is faithful. So that's the first reflection and testimony of Abraham and Sarah. But then secondly, write this down, they learned in all of this that God is also powerful. God is powerful. That is, there's nothing too hard for him. Notice the references to Abraham's old age in verses 2, 5, and 7 of our text. Do you see that there? Three different references to Abraham's old age. The point is, humanly speaking, there was no way that Abraham could have a child at that age. You fill in the blanks. I don't want to embarrass anyone here. So although it was impossible with men, it's not impossible with God because God is sovereign. And he does whatever he wants to do in this universe. Okay, so what do we take away from this? Personally, let's bring this down to personal terms. Well, what he did for Abraham and Sarah, he will also do for you. He'll work miracles in your lives. And yes, your situation may be altogether different than was Abraham and Sarah's, but he has a plan. And your life is in his hands. And you, you can be sure of this, you are absolutely just as important to him as was Abraham and Sarah. And throw this into the mix as well. It's never too late for God to work. Think about Moses, for example. Here's a classic example of this. Moses, when he was first commissioned by God, was 80 years old out there in the wilderness when God spoke to him out of that burning bush. 80 years old when he was commissioned to go and stand before the most powerful man in the universe, Pharaoh at that time, the king of Egypt. And then Abraham is 100 years old here, when his wife Sarah gives birth to the child of promised Isaac. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but according to chapter 25 and verse uh, 7, Abraham goes on to live another 75 years. So he's 175 years when God calls him home. So the point is, is that God may still have an important work for you and for me to do. You just never know. But you might be thinking at this point, I'm too old. I'm in my 70s now or whatever. And life has passed me by. I blew it. I'm not up to the task. Hey, listen, if God is calling you, I don't care who you are or how old or how young you are. If God has called you, he'll give you the strength and the capacity to do what he's calling you to do. And by the way, think about this as well. I don't know if you knew this. Here's another bit of trivia. Abraham went on to father six other children. We are given that information in chapter 25 in verses 1 and 2. After Sarah's death, he takes another wife, a gal whose name was Keturah. Chapter 25 and verses 1 and 2. And she bore him six more children. Come on, are you kidding me? So, God is all powerful. But then the third reflection and testimony of Abraham and Sarah is this. God is in no hurry to carry out his promises, and there is a set time for their fulfillment. Go back to verse 1 of our text. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. So, okay, there's set time for that which God has promised in the fulfillment of those things. He first promised Sarah and Abraham, that son of promise, back in chapter 17 and verse 21, then again in chapter 18 and verses 10 and 14, but that was a while ago. But now the promise is fulfilled neither early or too late, at the very time that God had planned and promised. I think of, and I'm just sharing this out of my own personal experience and talking with other Christians, particularly in counseling, I think one of the hardest things in our Christian experience is when we face what seems to be delays in God's actions, whether it's some personal thing that God has said to our hearts and or maybe some general promise that's recorded in the Word. And we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting. And it seems like he's delaying that which he promised. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that's only our impression. That's not the truth. It may be a promise for healing. It may be a promise for companionship. Some financial comfort or whatever. And usually we respond by crying out, uh, God, uh. I'm praying over here. Haven't you heard my prayers? Come on, we're so wimpy, aren't we? We have our little pity parties and stuff. We fume, we fret, and then we set out sometimes to work out the answers for ourselves. Well, we saw how that worked out for Abraham and Sarah with Hagar and Ishmael, right? But we need to simply trust God. We need to just simply wait upon Him. Okay, now, can I change gears on you here for a moment? I want to draw your attention to something that I think is also very important. Remember in the introduction to this series, going back now a couple of months, how long have we been in this book of the Bible, you think, Patty? Huh? Three months? Probably even longer than that. But remember in the introduction to this book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, I had mentioned that this particular book of the Bible is filled with all of these types and analogies. And here in this section of the book of Genesis, Isaac becomes a type of Jesus Christ our Lord. And that brings us to our second and our final point, and that is Isaac and Jesus. And I'm gonna share with you many of those similarities and types. The many similarities and parallels between Isaac and Jesus, here in this book of the Bible.
0: In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh my. When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones. Getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, we see it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes. But that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy to find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the word with us next time in my Father's house. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.